Rebel Racers and Rental Cars Podcast with your host, Top Fuel Cam, Cameron Foray, and his co-host, Mr. Top Sportsman, Don O'Neill. Hello, Don. Hey, Cam. How are you today? Fantastic. Yourself? Ah, you and I are both being a little bit more mellow for our uh, unique opening to uh, this week's episode of Racers and Rental Cars podcast. Well, I'm still a little sore from my my snowboarding extravaganza in Canada, so I'm moving a little gingerly. So maybe it's coming out in my voice as well. Well, you know, I guess you're supposed to be following that rule. What goes across the border stays across the border. Yeah. Well, actually, speaking of that, they almost didn't let us back into the States because apparently they screwed up on my son's ticket and they said there wasn't an infant on our reservation. So therefore, they had to go through and redo it. Well, luckily, United had rebooked us on Air Canada, which we didn't know. And Air Canada said that they couldn't do it. So then we literally, like, the flight closed, like, three minutes before we were supposed to, like, check in by or whatever. And then, of course, we have to go through security. And they pull every single one of our bags for a secondary screening. And then we go through customs. And then we literally had to sprint to the plane and hardly made it. So, And then they were like, oh, well, worst case scenario, we'll just rebook you. I'm like, no, you will not. We are getting on this plane. What? What? what I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to leave your kid in Canada? Yeah, I'm like, come on. He's sitting on my lap. What? What's the problem? Well, come to find out, for all of you international travelers out there that have children, uh, it does not. It's not a big deal to go from the states anywhere else, but from, say, in this case, Canada to the states, you have to pay the taxes for your infant, even though you don't have to pay for a ticket. Well, of course you do. So all this was over literally like $23. So did you like try to use a Starbucks card or something to get through? It would have had to have been a Tim Hortons card because I was ah, still in Canada. That's right. But it probably would have worked. But at that point, I didn't care what it cost. I'm like, just here, just, just do whatever. <laughs> I need to get home. I got things to do. I'm over it. Yeah. Ah, well, you know, Cam, I, I mean, I'm with you. It's, uh, it's rather warm here in the luck, uh, luxurious, uh, state of Southern Indiana today as we're recording this. So we're pretty happy about that. Uh, I feel very blessed and fortunate as the Northern friends of the great state of Indiana, Hoosier state got snow yesterday and we did not. Oh. I thought that was quite amusing to see people in the Brownsburg area, the mo- you know motorsports capital of the Midwest, uh, posting up photos on Instagram and Facebook about snow. So that was good for us. See, and here you were giving me a bunch of crap about snow because I was going to Canada to go snowboarding in the snow in the spring, blah blah blah, and look who got snow. Yeah, but you did it. You did it voluntarily. That's that's my difference here. Those people got snow, and they're at work. That's where they live. They. Nothing. I mean, I guess you could call it voluntary. They could move, you know. Hey, nobody stuck a gun to their head and said they had lived there. No one stuck a gun to your head and said you have to live in southern Indiana. No, I did move here by choice. 
freely at my own free will. Well, dude, what are we going to chat about this week? I mean, we didn't, I, I guess we didn't upset enough people last week. Uh, I guess as I pulled away there, uh, we just didn't upset enough people about our conversation last week about marketing proposals. We didn't really get a whole lot of questions. So we either were gas bagging with information that everybody else knew or everybody's too busy racing and I'm still over here gas bagging trying to get ready to race. I mean, I don't know about you, but I had a handful of people reach out and say that uh, they appreciated it and it was all good. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was all good information that they were going to use towards their their program. One thing that uh, you had touched on last week that um, kind of stuck with me, and it, uh, one of the guys that reached out to me kind of mentioned it, which I guess I'll bring it up again. He was talking about when you said that hobby racing is not a business, or you better make it if you think you're going to get sponsors. And I agree wholeheartedly in that. You know, we've we've talked about this till we were blue in the face, but I guess I'm going to bring it up again because there's so many people out there on Facebook, and there's been a lot of this going around on on uh, the social media interwebs lately. I seem to pull up on my feed. Um, all these people, they oh yeah, you know, because you know it's the beginning of the season. Everybody's all jazzed on their new stuff or whatever. Oh, I'm sponsored by this guy. Sponsored by that guy. Blah, blah, blah. But are you really sponsored by him? That's the question. Are you really having something going on? Or are you just trying to play the part so you look cool and get more likes on your photos? That's the question I have to ask. Because there's some people out there that I've noticed that I know darn well that they're not sponsored by the people that they're saying that they are. I mean, maybe... But what are we considering sponsorship, though, right? Are we considering 10% off being sponsored and, and uh, warranting wrapping um, their dad's 40-foot stacker for 10% off? Well, let me see. If I'm spending $500,000 a year and I'm getting 10% off, eh, no. <laughs> I, dude, you blew in the face. Poor choice of words. Seeing how Carolina lost last weekend, shut it. What in hockey or what? Uh, oh, here we go again. Freaking Canuck here across the border. Anyway, oh, it was that baseball tournament. This yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, that March March Madness baseball tournament they had going on. Um, you know, golly, where do you start? I I mean, it's a great question. It comes up in trying to explain to people what the definition of that sponsored racer means. I think that if it's, if it's product in kind, I think if there's a financial transaction between parties, then you can say that you're, you know, I like the phrase receive product support or factory supported, if you will. I think that's one of your motocross terms from your guys mm -hmm. out there. Um, that that's different. Um, but you know, if you're getting 20% off your $3,000 a year oil purchase, you should be grateful at that point and just call that support. Don't call right. it. Th this isn't, 
this isn't to downplay those deals at all. No. You have to start somewhere. I mean, this is great. But my question is, where do you draw the line when it comes to, you know, your if you post on social media like, oh yeah, I'm sponsored by X oil company or I'm sponsored by race pack or I'm, you know, like, and we gave you a discount. That's cool. But I have two ways to look at it. So you wanted me to give you, let's just say, Don, you know, you wanted me to give you $5,000 and a data logger. But I said, well, I tell you what, I'll give you, I'll give you 10% off. How's that sound? Okay. And you go and do the same things that you told me that you would do if you if I gave you five or ten thousand dollars and a data logger. That's where I start to kind of go like, well, obviously I won that game. Yeah, right? that's and, and you know uh, what's his uh, Alex Striller writes that book. I think we've talked about it before. That motorsports pro- uh, sponsorship proposal book. It's like twenty bucks on Amazon. And, and it's a really, it's a really good book for people to understand, but he talks about value and what your value is. And, and I always, you know, nine times out of 10, this conversation I'm having with like teenagers and young 20 somethings when they're trying to understand and get started. Uh, but I guess in drag racing, it happens a little younger and, and also a little later. You have to know what the value of your racing operation, your program is no different than what you value, how much you'll take an hour for a job. Uh, yeah, you, you, I mean, you have two ways of looking at all of this. Like, do you, do you overpromise and oh, underdeliver, oh, or do you underdeliver and overpromise? Oh, but there's also a fine line there too, right? Because if you're, if I'm going to give you 10% off and then you just go and do it, like I just said, the, all the things that you said you were going to do for monetary money and product, I don't ever really need to help you. So you you have to figure out the fine line between dangling the carrot in front of the people for next year. Or the stick. Or the stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it's funny. Uh, one of my buddies was over last night um, working, and he's a, he's a fab guy, right? He's, he's a really good fabricator, and he's, he's a pretty, pretty solid welder. And we were talking about somebody that had reached out to him about doing a job, and he quoted it, and they were like, Dude, are you kidding me? And he went, "What? I'm not gonna do it for X because it's worth Y. You, you have to know what your value is. I'm not. I'm not doing stuff for twenty dollars an hour. You know what I mean? Uh, that that's just you have to know where your value is. And well, I'll use an example too. Like so, uh, when I teach when I teach my students at the college and you know auto body and paint and stuff and like one of the first questions I'll ask them and at the beginning of the semester is how much do you think it costs to paint a car oh. and they say or you know if they say oh you know because a lot of people say oh can I bring in my buddy's car and we can you know paint it or whatever and so then we get on the subject of you know the the cost of materials blah 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 well how much would you charge you know complete to paint the car and they're like I don't know a couple hundred bucks I'm like, dude, like, so then you start to explain to them, well, you're going to be in this thing because you're, you're a student. So you're probably going to be paying retail price for paint or whatever. So, I mean, you're going to be in the thing, $1,500 in materials before you even grab a piece of sandpaper. Yeah. <laughs> so, but they don't realize that because they, 
think sandpaper grows on trees or whatever. Like, but so, I mean, that's just a, a quick little example. Like, so you have to, like you said, find your value in what you do, right? You know, if you make minimum wage or whatever, okay, you know, like a minimum wage job, you're expected minimum results, right? But yeah. if you're, if you're getting paid $200 an hour or whatever, like, they expect two hundred dollars an hour worth of you. Yeah, you know? exactly. And and you know, I think um, you know, and I don't know if that really really helps the person that you know asked about the hobby and the business. And because I I think we can go back or kind of jump forward to kind of make the correlation. You were talking about the local local scene versus the national scene, or I guess we could say a local versus a traveling racer. Um, that's kind of where I would probably start to draw the line of how I would manage my value. If, if I'm a local racer and I'm racing, let's say I live in a good area where I can race three nights a week. I can race Friday night, Saturday, leave late Saturday night, early Sunday morning and race Sunday afternoon. So I can race three nights a week. That's 12 night that's 12 days a month. Let's say you're in a good good area for good weather. Let's say that you can race let's say you can race 100 days out of a racing season. I, I mean that's a pretty good number. 100 races? That's, yeah, that's I mean that's that's a lot of racing. That ain't bad. Right. So now, does that mean because of the number that you're doing that you could consider yourself a professional racer, but you're only staying in one little region? No, but that also means that your value that you're going to bring for those to a company that you could be looking for product support or if you're going to use this word sponsored uh, with a 10% di- me, bro. yeah it's 10% discount i think that's where you that's where you kind of draw your line at you need to realize that your value is to those regional companies or um, consumer products for those areas that doesn't yeah, if you're going to get a hotel deal for the local holiday and express for your, your town and they give you a free night stay while you're going back and forth. That's not going to do anything. If you go, like if you're based in California and all of a sudden you go to Florida for a race. Right. Exactly. I mean, they're just a franchise, right? Right. That's not going to put any, any money in the person's pocket. Nope. But it'll help you. And you never know, you might be able to leverage a couple different ways to where maybe you can across the country, reach out to a different region and start that. But again, but you can't do that before you start to travel to Florida. That's (laughs) right. You can't go to the the guy at the local holiday Inn and say, look, oh, by the way, I noticed that you own actually 19 of these and they're in these regions and I'm going to give you exposure for all those, but you don't race in those states. Yep. Mm, Nope. Not not happening. No. Yeah. No. So, I, I, you know, and I think, and the other thing is too, and I think we said this before when it comes to sponsors or, or let's, let's say this, the perception or the pursuit of sponsorship, right? Product support, support overall in general, every deal is different because the mm-hmm. criteria and the circumstances, it's hard for me to take a six inch paint roller and just say, this is the box. Everything goes inside this box because that is one thing about sponsorship and marketing. Not a, nothing, nothing fits in the box. Well, especially nowadays with all the social media and there's, there's so many different outlets that these companies can go to. It's not like it used to be where, oh, 
Miller Lite or Copenhagen or whatever, like back in the day, okay, here's your th- couple million bucks or whatever it was. You're going right. to get all this activation, blah, blah, blah. They didn't have social media then. They hardly even had websites. So like their, their traffic that they were generating are from this email, this electronic right. mail that they were, <laughs> that they were discovering back then. Who is like, this Google were, person? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would get card, like you'd fill out like, you know, like, oh, want this free t-shirt. Well, they were getting, it's kind of the same concept now, but it was way more important back then because those were sales leads. So then they give them to their salespeople when they got back and they start cold calling you. Now it's... It's touch points, impressions. Yeah, and every time you pass a cell phone tower, you know, for all those people that um, look at their Facebook views, and uh, (laughs) I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, Their Facebook views when it comes to, oh yeah, I got 9 million Facebook views. Um, Facebook actually has their algorithm um, it was discovered that every time, like, so say you open it up on your laptop and then the same person opens it up on their phone, that counts as two views. And then all of a sudden you go drive down the street to go to the, the bank and you check and you check Facebook again because everybody's addicted to it and that's what we do. And it pings off of a different cell phone tower. You just got three views in one person. Yeah, a little bit of skew going on there with those numbers, boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, but, and and companies are starting to catch on to that. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, that's in in it's once again no different than how we do this podcast about educating uh, the the world. I think I don't know. Did we talk about that on a show, or was that just you and I conversation when we talked about AI? We we're talking about how in by twenty twenty one. SEO wise, instead of you just being like, I'm just going to go to Google, everybody with their voice activation and AI, because so many millennials, aka Cam, are buying their grandparents and their aunts and uncles Alexa, and they're teaching them to use Siri. Now it's, you know, hey, Alexa, find me X. And grandma and grandpa are no longer going to sit down at their laptop or their phone. They're waiting for Alexa to tell them about it. So if you're not building in some sort of AI into your SEO program by 2021, where you think your company is like top dog at number one on the first page of Google, you're liable to fall to page three or four or five because you're missing the aspect of AI. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, I want. I also. I want to take a step back here. I we we talk. We we're talking about sponsorship and all this stuff. But you said something before. You said professional racer, right? Right. What constitutes a press professional racer is what I want to know. Because I guess technically I'm a professional racer because I race top fuel, right, in a professional class. Uh, I'm still waiting for those big paychecks. <laughs> you know. So, uh, but I mean. Dude, hell, I've made more money bracket racing than I have racing top fuel. To be honest, I mean, as far as winnings, like because a lot of it, I don't, I don't see because it gets divvied up, right? So, if you're not making money from your sponsors, like the win, like, so who's a professional, right? You know, so I think, ah, all right, my tech car. Are you a professional? No. You, you know what my tech card says? My tech card says in the tower, you know, the little screen. Ice cream screen, scoop taste tester? 
it, when I go to Norwalk, I am all about the ice cream. 99 cents, baby. Or, uh, it's not. It's a dollar. But in, nonetheless, anyway. Underwear model? Uh, exactly. No, you do not want to see me in underwear. Anyway. Uh, Bruno. <laughs> right, Bruno. Um, no, mine says motorsports professional. That's what mine says. I think that's a legitimate thing because I every, almost everything that I do in a daily yeah, basis. You have a podcast, bro, so you're pretty famous. Oh my god! Yeah, that's my. That was one of my hashtags. I think I was using that last week. Podcast famous. Are you famous? <laughs> no, podcast famous. <laughs> podcast famous. It's good it. thing you got a voice for radio, there, buddy. Oh man, let me tell you, it's oof, rough. No one's gonna have me doing the weather. Anyway. <laughs> No, I I think that I'm going to look at people, Langdon, J.R. Todd, um, uh, did I run out of people? Uh, (laughs) Clay Milliken. Yeah, Clay. Um, But the others, there's a, uh, let me see, we, we could go down, Torrance's family, oil, forces, they are in motorsports. Even though they may be professional drivers, they do a lot of other things that I think you could, I mean, it would be, I mean, yeah, you're, they probably are, but you could probably get in the same situation where you go, eh, they're, they're more than just perfect. They they get paid for more than just driving a race car. Um, caps, caps would be one. Beckman, Beckman does a lot of different things. Uh, Hagen, I, I don't really consider Hagen a professional. I mean, he's a professional driver, but his family, I mean, they've got car lots. He's got farms. He's got cows. He d- he does other stuff. And I'm sorry, farming is hard work. He ain't doing that because it's just for, he ain't got nothing else to do. I mean, he's too busy most of the other times taking photos in the gym with his muscles on Instagram. But nonetheless, um, who, who else? How really feel? I'm just, I mean, hey, you you, you put it out there. I'm just saying. Um, No, I wanted this question answered because who's a professional race car driver? If you you start going down the list, there's really not that many people that are a professional race car driver. But what's the definition of professional? Because the guy that won the million at the spring fling last year, I can guarantee you he made a hell of a lot more money racing, driving a race car than 98% 98% of the people out there? Uh, ask Lang, then is he'll he tell a you. professional race car driver? <laughs> right. Mm, I don't think so. I think, nope. uh, what is it, uh, Randall Reed? I think that's who won. Yep. He, I think, pretty sure he has another job. Like, I think they're yep. in oil or something. Yep. Because um, they're from Texas, so I'm sure they have oil. Oh, right. <laughs> um, but, you know, so what... what Are you good at it? That, How about what? that? How about that? So, if you want to call yourself a professional, and this is... This is kind of this is military wise, you know. We always we always talked about being good at your trait. That makes you a professional. Are you a medical professional? That means you're good in your field, right? So you're good in your field that you work in. So does that make you a professional, or does it just make you a professional in the field? I, I that that's my thing. I I think I'm a motorsports professional. You're a motorsports professional. There's a, a Jeg Coughlin. I, 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 you know what I mean? These are people that work in motorsports, whether it's their family business or whatever, and they're good at what they do. I would consider Erica the same way. I would consider Greg Anderson, Jason Line, uh, Bo Butner. They run a car lot, but they're still professionals in their field. 
uh, in, right. uh, you know, They're in doing motion. something else other than stepping on the gas. You know, I, and I wanted to bring this up too, because I get a lot of kids that ask me like, man, like you're a professional race car driver. Like that's so cool. And yes, it is cool. It's everything that I've ever wanted, but you also got to figure out how to pay your rent too, <laughs> or your <laughs> cell phone bill or whatever, your health insurance, your car insurance, your car payments, your motorhome payments, like your daily life. So being a professional race car driver, I guess, constitutes more work because you're spending that much more money to to live the dream, right? So if I wasn't racing cars, I wouldn't need a motorhome. I wouldn't need a trailer. I wouldn't need a race car. I wouldn't need all these things. And I'd probably be sitting on my wakeboard boat at the river right now. But I, I dude, I'm totally with you. I, I So it's like you, what do you like? So the reason what I'm saying is like all these little kids, you know, these junior dragster kids that, that that's one of the biggest things. Like a lot of junior kids and I was the same way. I I put myself at the top of this category. I was a junior dragster kid that said I'm going to make a living driving top fuel. Woo! That was my goal in life. And I I always told myself I wasn't a professional race car driver until I paid my mortgage with my right foot. That's tough, that, dude. Hey, that's a tough goal. That, I know. That's and so, but that the older you get, I mean, have I have I paid my mortgage with my right foot at sometimes, but not consistently. You know, like there's, I mean, yeah, I make income with this stuff, but it's it's not my sole income. No. So am am I happy? I, I bring this up because I don't. A lot of kids, you know, they have dreams and they they want to pursue things, but don't, don't necessarily feel like you failed because I, I struggled with this for a long time. Like, man, I'm, a, I'm not John Force. Like I'm not, I'm not Courtney Force. I'm not like, what, what am I going to do? Like, you know, I, I've failed at my dream. Well, not really. I mean, I consider myself somewhat a successful motorsports professional. Like I make a, a pretty good living and I get to enjoy my life, my family, my race cars, what more could you ask for, right? Just because of the fact that I'm I'm not walking the airport with a peak crew shirt on, I guess. I'm not a professional. I I don't know. Like I so don't sell yourself short. Like I mean, I'm making a living, I'm racing cars. Like, am I a professional race car driver? If somebody looked me up, Googled me, yeah, I get yeah. You know. I don't know if I come up. I need to Google myself. <laughs> you need to get Google alerts, dog. Uh, is that what it is? Man, you, you're absolutely 100% right from the standpoint that I look at it. So, you know, I, I'm not supposed to be where I am. I got no, I got no problem admitting that. Uh, you know, my, one of my funny statements is, is that, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to find my guidance counselor. She totally owes me an apology. You know, because I'm not, I'm not supposed to be where I am and I have no problem admitting that at all. Um, but I spent 23 years in the army to where I got to the point where financially I can do other things that allow me to go, okay, I don't have to make so much money. I can make enough money and still have the opportunities to be able to go do stuff. And I think that's where, you know, 
once again, remember that six inch paint roller as we paint this box, everybody thinks that it's got to go inside this box. It's a square peg. It's got to go in a square hole. And the difference is, is that you need to like cut the edges out of all these different shapes so that they can kind of flow together and you can put different shapes in different holes and be flexible and understand that yeah, you're, you got to be a jack of all trades because I mean, talk to any quote unquote professional bracket racer, right? Go, go hit up Brad Plord, go hit up Luke, go hit up Sean when he was, when Sean Langdon, when he was doing, uh, just bracket racing, like it's good when it's good, but it's freaking bad when it's bad. So how are you going to pay your Silverado truck payment when you didn't go rounds on Saturday? And it takes, see, it's, I forget who I was talking to, but they were talking about like, oh man, why don't you do any more bracket racing? Like you can make so much money doing that. True. Yes, you can. I mean, they're having, there's but, four $500,000 races this year, I think. Yes. How much does it cost you to enter all four of those $500,000 races? Buddy, the tabs, the, t- you know, the risk, the risk versus reward. You got, right? you're going to, so, you're going to, you got to enter all three days. Then you got to enter the big race. You're going to buy back because you're already there. I, I mean, so you're spending, let's just say, I mean, if you're racing, like you said, a hundred days a year, like hardcore or whatever, and you're hitting all these big races, you're $30,000 a year. I mean, I may be on the high side. I don't, you know, I don't know what some of these entries are, but twenty, thirty thousand dollars in entries, buybacks, and all the crap that you, if you lose first round or second round or whatever, you can oh five hundred dollars more to buy back in. So you're spending the amount of money that some people make in a year on entries to try to make enough money to live. Yup. Hmm. Let's ask Dan Fletcher how that works out. Yeah, I mean, and there's people that do it, and they make a great living and I wish I was one of them. I wish I was good enough to be able to do that. But what I'm saying is like all these, like the younger kids and stuff, like don't sell yourself short and like, Oh, you know, like what do you do when, when the, when the going gets tough or you kick the rods out of your motor first round of a, of a race that you just spent $3,000 to enter. Then what? Well, shit. I'm in a, up a creek without a paddle or is that what yeah, you're in the creek without I, a paddle I've been that guy i have been that guy oh uh, and, and and it's still i mean let's think about some of the idols let, let, let's man we are just all over the place with this but yeah for sorry, sure guys this but, is a uh, this, this is, is a like, hodgepodge edition of racers and rental cars I, and man I, i'm We're gonna just trying to get don up on his high horse so he can start ranting about something <laughs> so kind of like well, bouncing back and forth so we're like little pinballs today but but honestly, once again, we one of our other shows. I forget to forget which one it was. We talked about having a strategy of approaching racing like a business, right? Like how you would run a company. What makes financial sense for your expenses, for your assets, how you sell your property, your sponsorships, your marketing. I start. I sit over here and I can think back. Let's think about. I can think about three. Badass guys in bracket racing. Troy Williams Jr., Gary Williams, his brother, and Luke. Let's talk about Luke Bogacki. Let's just take those three, right? Now, all three of them have had uber amounts of success in the bracket racing world. Million-dollar winners. I mean, there was a tear 
I mean, this is way back for people that are listening. Junior Dragster Racers, go read some articles called On the Road with Luke when he was dominating the B&M series. For, for, I, I swear, I, it felt like he was dominating for like five years. I don't, even, I don't think it went on for five years. But those guys work regular jobs. Or not regular jobs, but they work jobs. Troy works at FTI. I think Gary's still running like his own trucking company of hotshot stuff. They've all done stuff. Now they they had their run with Bloomfield when they were on the road, and they would be double, triple, quadruple injured, just whooping everybody's tail and just stacking checks, you know, for days. But then even then, they were still doing stuff to make money. You know, Luke, Luke's the same way. Luke, you know, he, he's got a business plan with this is bracket racing elite and he, and he's making it happen. Everybody has to have something to help facilitate having, you know, money come in regardless of how large or small the sum may be. You still have to have some money coming in because brother money to make money. This ain't easy, man. There's other dude. I, I don't know how hard it would be to, to, to really get good at golf, but man, I compare, you know, being a motorsports professional and being good in drag racing, like trying to be good at golf. I, I mean, it just, you know, it's tough. Um, but yeah, I don't, don't, don't get discouraged, but make sure that you're, that you're open-minded about your opportunities. I think that's the, you know, a big thing to go along with it. Yeah. I've had, I've had a couple kids say, you know, I, I don't want to go to college. I just want to race. And my mm-hmm. first question to them is, well, what are you going to do when you're done racing? Well, I'm never going to stop racing. Yes, you are. Well, how are yeah? How are you <laughs> going to financially afford to race? Well, I've just always raced, but their parents bought them their race car. Their parents let them live in their house. Their parents pay their car insurance. Their par- like, and and that's why I was the same way. Like I, my parents paid my car insurance. My you know, like. To a certain extent, but then there's that point to where it's like, hey, man, you got to go. All you. Here you go. Here's what it costs to make you exist. And right. then, you, then you get the big rude awakening and you don't and you make, you know, a, you work at a surf shop or whatever like I did in high school. And you're like, well, shit, six seventy five at the time, an hour wasn't going to get me very far when it comes to racing. You know what I mean? Like, so you learn real quick. Well, OK, maybe I should stay in college and get that college degree and, or learn a trade, go, go learn how to be a plumber, go learn how to be, go learn how to run CNC machines, go learn how to weld. Yeah. Go, go do that because you can make a lot of money doing that. And sometimes though, and the other thing is to learn flexibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Adapt to different situations. Find your opportunities. Did I ever think that I would be, doing a podcast with a guy in the Midwest. Heck Hell no. no. <laughs> Did I ever think that I'd be a college teacher? Nope. Did I ever think that I'd do some of the stuff that I did in life? An actor? Nope. Like it's just, you just got to learn how to adapt and learn and, and just capitalize on regardless ca- of what you're doing. Capitalize on your opportunities. That's, that's uh. And if you're making huge money bracket racing, by all means, that's awesome. And I wish I was you, but sock some of it away for a rainy day. Because it's I guess coming. At the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, we all have rainy days. And I have a feeling, you know, some, some come, some go. Some come harder than others. That's right. 
You uh, just never know. Ah, uh, well, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I don't ever want. I hate. I, I those conversations are some of the most difficult because at the same time you you can have a dream crushing blow to people when you look at them and, and say, okay, have you seriously evaluated your situation? And is this the plan that you've made? And when you sit there and you go, based on your experience, uh, hey, man, this, I wouldn't do that. Or, hey, I would do this. Or, hey, you should look at that. And, and every time you're doing it, even though it's constructive criticism or suggestive uh, opportunities, the whole approach is is that you're goal crushing whatever it is that they had. Well, I, I can't tell you how many people that laughed at me like you're gonna make a living in racing, like you're an idiot. But what am I doing? Proving them wrong. Dude, my- am I doing it just with my right foot? No, but I'm in the racing industry making a living and a pretty successful living. So is there what's wrong with that? Nothing. But I proved them wrong. And I and I'll continue to prove people wrong because that's just how I am. I'm resilient and I want to show that. But yes, you are right. Like I've talked to many people, and like you can just see like the it just melting off their face. Like when you tell them like, mm, "You're," I mean, the likelihood of you being Antron Brown, <sighs> it's pretty slim to none. Right. I, I but mean, that doesn't mean that you'll never get there. I'm not saying that. If that make it your life goal to make it there. Heck yeah. Get her done because I, I'm the same way. I'm still trying to be Andrew Brown, you know, but just, you know, and I, I'm sure Antron's got some backup plans. I would imagine. Oh, for sure. I, I, who doesn't, if you're successful or struggling either way, you have to have, you got to have outs. I think that's why a lot of people that drag race, you know, like gambling or whatever the case may be, because it's a strategy of outs and, and different mathematical outcomes that you can look at. But I mean, you're absolutely right with that. You have to, uh, oh man, you can't, you can't give up, but at the same time, you got to be realistic. You got to have a plan, stay focused on it. But at the same time, be, flexible and understanding because yeah i'm with you i mean who the heck why the hell am i doing a podcast why would anybody want to listen to me um for, to to gas bag over over any of this stuff and i'm sure at the same time i sit back after we do a show or i listen to somebody when they send an email or a text or make a comment and i'm like well i i mean i guess it re- you know it resonated with them so i guess it wasn't for you know it wasn't for a waste of time we appreciate all four of you that do that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> For sure, you know, we appreciate the uh, whatever the the five or six that actually bought T-shirts this week at the Racers and Rental Cars uh, online apparel store. We do appreciate those posts up on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you very much, all five of you. Dude, don't cut, don't sell yourself short there, man. They're, those things are selling pretty damn well, if you ask me. I, I, I'm grateful. Anytime there is nothing better than when I see the post pop up on, on Instagram, on the stories, or whatever the case may be. When they're out there, I'm still looking for someone to wear their racers and rental car shirt to the rental car counter, holding a beer, uh, getting. I was a rental close car. to doing that this weekend, but instead That's I ended not up wrecking for a you. rental car. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting there. I was getting there for the wreck. Too uh, soon. <laughs> too soon. You got that was you jumped right over the teaser. So I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna start uh like because we're all into this uh different 
things, right? Like we're giving away a free t-shirt if you'll go uh, rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or Voice America. We're going to, you know, read them and pick people and we're going to give away a free t-shirt for that. And then I still want to see somebody do the beer in the racer and rental cars at the rental car counter and post it up on social media so I can make that go viral. That's my second one. And then my third one we're going to start this week is we've got to have this thing called uh, the racers and rental cars blotter report. Now this is going back military days for me in the military. They have what they call the blotter report that comes out every morning for all of the things that soldiers do wrong on base that would be considered like breaking the law or whatever the case may be. So, uh, this week, my first one that I'm going to start off with, and then we'll close with uh, our resident blotter uh, attendee. Um, I feel, <laughs> you know, hey, you're you're welcome. So, for those that didn't know, I know this is going to come out on Saturday, but earlier this week, uh, the Wood Brothers and NASCAR had an accident with their hauler in Birmingham, um, and I got, you know, I, I hope that. I hope that uh, the Wood family in Virginia, they're not too far from where I grew up there in Henderson, North Carolina. I hope that they give the Larice family a call and get some motorsports insurance on their hauler. Uh, they tweeted out that their bad luck had followed them home from Texas uh, through Alabama on the way back to Mooresville. But nobody was injured except, as they said, the the hauler. The truck itself uh, <laughs> received injury is kind of how they put it. So uh, they make the racer and rental cars blotter report this week. And I think we've got one more, uh, which I think it's going to take a little while for it to come across the border. Uh, cause I don't know how the crime reports move from the, the Get great, the great country of Canada to the great country of the United States. But, uh, hey, Cam, um, what was this lawn ornament that you, seem to have hit this was it the travelocity uh gnome <laughs> did he did, was that who it was did you hit him in the hotel parking lot what what happened cam tell us about that all right i'll start from the beginning oh god see what happened was what really happened was <laughs> yeah this is what really happened because if you ask my wife she's gonna give you a completely different story because she made me feel like the biggest loser on the planet when the incident happened she runs out on the balcony Oh my God, he just blotted it out. Everybody, like trying to wake everybody up and like, hey, you and 301, look what my husband just did. What a loser. <laughs> so, anyway, hashtag true story. Yes, yes, that is a true story, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we came back from dinner and we rented, well, maybe I shouldn't say that. Yeah, okay. So, my family rented a. My family. What was that thing? Dodge, uh, they're calling it the blue bomber or whatever. The Because it was a blue, brand new, like Dodge Caravan. And everybody was giving us crap because we just had a kid. So, oh, you know, sweet minivan. You guys going to buy one now? <laughs> no, we are not buying a minivan. And Angie's like, oh, well, you know, they're really not that bad. They're really roomy inside. No, not going to happen. <laughs> anyway. So Hello. We're driving back. Angie's driving back from dinner. And. Like the we were staying in this really cool resort and it was kinda like up in the hills or whatever and like I it was called like Hidden Ridge. So there like no lights at all anywhere, it seemed like, other than like the little porch lights. And she's like and Jet started crying or whatever because it was kinda past his bedtime. So we pulled up to like our condo and she jumped out and said, Hey, can you just go park this? Well, by this time it was pretty late, I don't know, it was like nine thirty or ten o'clock. And uh 
which is late for which is late for parents nine thirty or ten o'clock. That's well, late. yeah. I mean, it wasn't late. It was just you know, <laughs> getting to get to bed. So, so she she parked and unloaded him and went to go put him down. And so I'm like looking around. I'm like, dude, there is no parking anywhere. Like, and these people were part. Like, I don't. Everybody needed a can opener to get out of their car. Like, legit, there was no parking. So I'm like driving around in circles, like looking like a loser in this minivan. <laughs> and and my wife yells out the window, why don't you just park in the parking garage? <laughs> Thanks for the heads up. I did not know there was a parking garage. I just got here 12 hours ago. You've been here all week. I just got here. And so I'm like, okay. so Because I thought it was like a storage thing, like where they store their tractors or whatever. So I go to drive down into the, it's like a pretty steep little like parkade deal. Garage opens up, and there was an individual down there, like, stuck, like, had, like, full panic mode, because maybe, I'm sure there probably wasn't parking or whatever, but they were, like, going back and forth, trying to, like, Austin powers their way out of this thing, and I'm, like, sitting there, like, on the incline of the, of the ramp, like, going, hey, like, go forward so I can go backwards, like, and I was, like, stuck. Finally, after, like, five minutes of me watching this Chinese fire drill, I'm, like, forget it. So I throw this sucker in reverse and goose it up the the ramp. And it was a pretty steep ramp, and I'm in a minivan, front-wheel drive minivan. And I, like, crested over, like, the like to where it goes flat onto the road. And I was sitting there, and I was like, okay, like, what are, what is this guy doing? I was, like, looking down into the parkade. And he was still, like, stuck. I'm like, this guy's going to hit something, right? And so right as I did that, I forgot that you kind of had to, like, zig to the right in order to get into the parkade well i gassed it again not looking at the rear view camera yes there was a, a camera in the car not looking at that because you couldn't see anything anyways because it was like pitch black dark out in the woods and i plowed into the planter and hit a boulder and now we're here had a damaged bumper and i was known as crash cam to coot for the rest of uh for the rest of the trip. And yeah, my wife, like I said, came out on the balcony and was like, what a loser. <laughs> yeah. Pop the bumper. Luckily, with all my body shop experience, I was able to, uh, disguise this a little bit and was able to get the bumper reattached on the side from popping out. And then I buffed off all the scratches and thank God, my brother-in-law. Thanks, Sean, for getting the extra insurance. So, we recovered. Let this be a lesson to you people. Always get the insurance. Or, or don't let Cam drive. Well, see, that's the thing. Everybody, oh, yeah. And it was so funny because Sean's like, don't let anybody drive the rental car except for Cameron. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, make me eat my own words over here. You know, the professional race. Here we go. Professional race car driver crashes the rental. What do you want from me? Goes 300 miles an hour but can't go 55 without hitting something. 55, I was going four. (laughs) Hashtag, I was trying to help. (laughs) So, yeah. Let this be a lesson to you people in your rental cars. Get some insurance. I wish people could see my facial expressions while you were telling this story. I wish. Because if we had like a call-in thing, Angie would be and all the people there. My brother-in-law, my sister. Coming soon to Racers and Rental Cars podcast will be the call-in segment. There'll be, I think, I'm pretty sure some of them commented on our Instagram about it. Like, I'm sorry, man. 
I'm just doing the best I can do. I I hear you. I hear you. It, it's tough. It's tough the first time you drive a minivan. I know it's tough. <laughs> Let this be a lesson to you. That'll probably be the last time. Uh, you'll have a minivan in your near future. Uh, cannot wait. You cannot hope for such things. Uh, well, Cam, uh, busy weekend. You're off to Vegas, taking off. Yes, sir. Ready for the four uh, wides? Stairs. We will be four widing ourselves down the Las Vegas Strip. Are you ready for that? You're, that's not. Yeah, your, I don't know. Like the staging thing is going to be interesting. So I apologize now for anybody that I hang out because everybody gets mad at me anyways because I take too long to stage. It's because bump, bump it in, baby. <laughs> Flicker the bottom ball where you're not trying hard enough. Yeah. So apologies now, but uh, yeah, no. We'll start off on Thursday with um, the fan fest at New York, New York, and then Friday's qualifying, and we'll see what happens. Well, I know it is a huge weekend of racing, and I'm really excited about it. For those of us that are still sitting on the sidelines, you'll be in Vegas. the The division guys will be down south. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to pull all this off with devices. I'm going to have to have one device for uh, NHRA TV or NHRA Racer TV for Vegas to watch. And I'm going to have to have one device for Drag Racer TV to watch the Division Four guys at the Double in Dallas. And then I'm going to have to have another device because the quickest eighth mile racing is going to be going on at Galat this weekend for PDRA. So. Um, Man, I'm. I don't know that I'm going to get much work done preparing a race car because I'm going to have to have uh, my ADHD going on for three different devices. But looking forward to uh, a great weekend of racing and uh, wish you all the best there, my friend. Uh, Thank you very much. You you gotta you gotta better keep hydrated. You better get some health aid kombucha tea to to make sure that you. Uh while that watching TV, you're going to be doing. I, I feel like I might have a, a tight neck, and I, I think you were telling me that that tea uh, helps with uh, hydration. It's got some pretty good vitamins and minerals in it, so I may I may need to pick one up so that my neck I got my I don't get you know don't get any cramps. I want you know don't I don't want any cramp I don't need to get cramped up in there. Uh, my athletic neck going on trying to watch for sure. Absolutely. Well, brother, is there anything that we haven't talked about for this nah, I week? I think we kind of went A to Z on that. And, man it is tough. Your dreams kids but just have a fallback plan you got you got to yeah yeah you have to go to school get an education for sure or a trade but get an education while you're getting a trade something like that so all right my friend take us home and good luck to you brother all right uh, i'd like to you know as we always do thank voice america for helping us produce this stuff and uh race pack data systems and drag search for sale.com we appreciate it. Thanks for all the help. Be sure to get yourself a Racers and Rental Cars t-shirt. Later. See you, brother. Let's put it up for the weekend warriors. Tip it back for the ones who came before us. Give it all you